Welcome to the American Horror Story Podcast, brought to you by Bald Move. We're the officially unofficial podcast for FX's American Horror Story Freak Show Season 4. Tonight we're going to be talking about the fifth episode, Pink Cupcakes. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me is... Definitely. That's me. And it's a, it's, a, it's a different kind of week. Normally, we watch American, oh. we, we watch American Horror Story together on the couch and we kind of like gasp and we kind of joke and we talk about things we don't understand and things we don't like. And we kind of go into the podcast having at least a pretty good idea about what we think about an episode. This week I've been in Albuquerque since last night. Uh, I had to watch it on mountain time. We have not discussed the episode in advance. So I'm genuinely curious to know what Wait, you're not on mountain time. I'm on mountain time. There's, There's no way. I, I just looked up Mountain Time today, and Texas is on Mountain Time, and they're only an hour behind, and you're two hours. That Texas, well, I'm sure parts of Texas, since it's so big, are in Mountain Time, but uh, it's mostly on uh, Central Time, I would think. But no, I'm on Mountain Time. It's not a joke. It's I'm two hours behind you in east on on the uh, East Coast, Midwest Coast, whatever. I don't believe you. So well, please continue. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, the factual veracity about my time zone notwithstanding, what did you think of the episode? Um, I thought it was good. It was um, shocking, as it usually is with American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I was kind of indifferent. I, I, I feel like I'm starting to really be indifferent towards Lobster Boy, and oh, we'll really? talk about that later. But okay. and, and there was a couple other problems I had here and there at the episode, but I... Even two episodes ago, would have never believed that the Dandy could be a credible, menacing villain. And his American Psycho routine completely won me over, and the brutal murder of the Viking god was pretty amazing. And they've actually made me... I don't care about Dell and that like I like him as a person, but right. I, I'm digging the character direction that it's taking. Yeah. Well, before we get into all that, did you want to talk to me a bit about uh, the Breaking Bad Fest that you and Jim are hosting? Oh, yes. That's for emceeing? M- that is why I'm here in the ABQ. Uh, we got invited out by Ginny and Miguel, who are putting on the first ever uh, Albuquerque Fan Fest for Breaking Bad people. And they've got a lot of cool stuff set up. Uh, they've got, uh, there's they're organizing some VIP RV tours tomorrow uh which we'll be taking a part of me and jim will uh they've got oh, go cool. go-karting at jesse's go-kart place they're gonna have a go-kart competition for the barrel edition of breaking bad uh the dvd set and you can still most tickets are still available for this so if you're listening and you're in the albuquerque area or or an easy drive to there uh check it out uh, uh i'll post a link on the show notes but you can also find it if you search for abq uh fan fest on facebook you can find it uh, you can register for these events. There's a trivia show contest with the geeks at drink that me and Jim are going to be doing. We're going to be judging a, a costume panel on Saturday. There's a, there's like a fun. cast and crew panels. It's, it's been a lot of fun. We got a, a private tour of Tuhajali today. Uh, I got, oh, really? yeah, we got pictures of ourselves on the rock that Jesse stands on when he says, I don't see nothing but cow houses. Uh, 
we sh- I, I, we went to the valley where the they had the uh, I, I, I want I want to avoid spoilers, but there's a significant shootout that happens in Tahajali, oh. and uh, we got to see that. And there's still you know there, there we you got to see the shootout. That's insane. <laughs> Through the magic of peyote. Uh, we were able to tr- spirit travel back three years ago to when they were filming and we got to see the whole thing. Um, Incredible. I, I got to eat incredible ch- things they're doing in Albuquerque. <laughs> I got to eat a uh, cheese dog at the uh, dog house. Jesse's favorite place is slang crystal meth. Uh, my hotel is right across the streets from the crystal palace, which sounds Ooh. frightening, but the crossroads motel is not quite the crack whore infested hellhole that one would expect. It's actually a pretty nice place. <laughs> I just got to see so many great locations, uh, and we're going to be seeing more tomorrow. It's it's really going to be a fun celebration of all things Breaking Bad. So uh, if you're in the area again, uh, please please check it out. There's there's still uh, tickets cool. available. Pretty excited. Wish I could be there. I wish you could be too. It sucks that uh, we couldn't line up uh, your work schedule and all that. Maybe maybe next year because I I'm guessing I'm just guessing that this isn't going to be a one and done. I think this is going to be a phenomenon. Um, so we got a lot to talk about, about American Horror Story. I'm pretty sure that not everybody that watches American Horror Story gives a shit about Breaking Bad. So we'll, we'll get onto that. Um, episode Pink Cupcakes. It begins in our old pals, the location, Morbidity Museum. You don't want to hear about the writer and director first? Oh, please. Yes. Give us the background information. I got, I got ahead of myself. Forgive me. <laughs> Albuquerque time is messing you up. It is really. I'm so tired. I am so tired. <laughs> well, this episode was written by Jessica Scharzer, who has a few early 2000s credits, uh, including writing the screenplay for the movie Speak, um, writing a few episodes of American Horror Story throughout each season, and has uh, credits for writing, directing, and editing a handful of TV movies and shorts. And by handful, I mean like two or three. So. Um, a very rookie writer, which I thought was an interesting choice. Uh, and it was directed by Michael Uppendahl, who you will recognize directed a few episodes of Shameless, Mad Men, The Walking Dead, American Horror Story, including this season's uh, Edward Mordrick Part 1, Glee, Weeds, and Becker. <laughs> so it seems, seems, uh, seems like we're in good hands in that department. Yeah, so... Um, do we want to talk about the Ryan Murphy interview that everyone can't stop talking about, or do you want to well, uh, talk I, about that a little bit at the end? We're going to have a spoiler section. I know these are Cecily's favorites. She's 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 always champing at the bit. Uh, we're going to have a spoiler section at the tail end of this episode. And if you're not familiar how those work on the the Bald Move Family podcast, we you know it, it's it's all an interview. And you've if you're a, uh, if you're paying attention to what's going on online at all, you've probably seen it, but I know a lot of people don't don't play that way. So at the very end of the podcast, I'll play the music, our outro music, and after the outro music, we'll talk about the spoiler stuff about stuff that's that to come. So we will get into that. We'll get down and dirty at the end of the podcast. So look forward to that. If not, when you hear the music, shut it off, or you will be spoiled. <laughs> Sound good? Yeah. Anyway, I'm down. we are speaking it down. We are at the Morbidity Museum. I'm down the clown, so to speak. <laughs> Oh, now you're just making me sad about Twisty. Yeah. Uh, the Morbidity Museum has, is having a night of discovery. This is where they've got all the uh, freakish human abnormalities all mounted in glass and formaldehyde. And uh, 
they are and they're going to announce a very special person that this place owes an enormous debt of gratitude. Um, and it turns out it's it's not uh, what's this guy's name? What's it, Russell Edgington? Stanley. It's not Stanley. It's some James Mart. It's some James Martone. Guy and he he actually acts a little butt hurt that it's not him. This guy is a total delusional idiot, right? No, what they said was is that Stanley and Maggie actually brought them Paul the Illustrated Seal. Someone else took credit. They just got paid handsomely to have done it. But wait a second, this is not Paul the Illustrated Seal. No, this is a fantasy. Okay. Immediately after this scene happens, you realize that it's just a fantasy uh, of Paul and Maggie. And I don't know whose fantasy it is or if they're just purposely trying to pull the rug out from under us because I... This this happens every throughout other the scene, episode, right? I, right. I every, other scene I see, every other scene I see family in, I, uh, I just don't believe it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I like that even in this, in this uh, whatever you want to call it, dream sequence fantasy, that he can even make himself a, uh, a oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A decorated man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He still isn't getting credited for what he's done or brought in. See, th- so, I thought that was funny. So, so here's the thing. I thought that this scene was actually real, and they said it was an illustrated seal boy, but it wasn't actually Paul. It was somebody else. No, it definitely... It was definitely Paul? When they zoom in on him, he, yeah, he has the exact same tattoos, and it, they zoom in on his face. It's definitely him. Okay. Because uh, I'm just incredibly confused about what is all this whole scene of fantasy. Because the ill, the, yeah. the the conversation between him and Esmeralda is got to be real, right? Well, the one afterwards, after they show Paul the Illustrated Seal, and then they go back and they show them in his uh, hotel room. Mm-hmm. That was real. Huh. Okay. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the way it's cut. It's just it's just incredibly confusing to me. I really don't it understand is. what the fuck they're trying to portray here. What and there's a little bit of that I kind of question with what's going on with Dandy towards the end, whether some of this is they're just playing with our perceptions of reality and these people's perceptions of reality. But I, I, I kind of hate it, but I'm putting a little tack in that conversation because I want to see how this actually plays out. Um, but if two or three episodes go past and I still don't know what yeah. the fuck is going on, I'm going to start really bitching about it. Yeah, it's strange that, you know, they play that scene and then they immediately cut back to like real time the uh the version of uh the universe that's actually happening here presently and it doesn't even have a cutscene in between with someone waking up from a sweaty nightmare or anything like that it's like they play it how this could happen and then they play it again how it actually happened and i'm not sure what they're going for there yeah me either um but, uh, I, you know, I, again, I hope Ryan Murphy knows what the hell he's doing because so far it seemed like a lot of people are confused about that. Uh, <laughs> me, uh, I, I, one of them. Um, so in the reality, Esmeralda is saying that she doesn't want to be an accessory to murder. And he's like, who said anything about murder? Accidents happen all the time. She wants an additional 5% for having to put up with being with the freaks. And, uh, then he announces that Miss Mars is going to have a terrible run of bad luck. Um, moving on yeah. to the dandy house. Oh, and then, oh, go ahead. Well, they make a point of the gay magazines that fall out of Stanley's suitcase. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, they're and not, I just, yeah, they're like body built. I mean, were they actually gay magazines or were they just like the the male exercise, the, the men's well, yeah, fitness I, magazines? I think that was illegal. And I'm pretty sure that the gay club we see later is 
still illegal in the 50s, right? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, the, yeah. that's why I was okay, thinking. It's so. like, you know, I, I remember, like, watching JFK and what the gay men were watching, like, these stag films are watching. They weren't necessarily homoerotic, except for it was mostly, like, men wrestling and and doing these different things. But it wasn't like if you got arrested and they're, like, looking at it, you could be like, hey, you know, there's nothing... There's nothing untoward. It's rest, it's just it's that's just not porn. Men. You're the one that's gay if you think it's porn. <laughs> yeah, you're the one the problem, buddy. What the hell? I'm just yeah. I'm just a well, men's just, fitness enthusiast. I just made this connection. Do you think they're gonna try to do something with Stanley and Dell? Oh, absolutely. And, I and, mean, they made it. They're making a big point of showing that he's quite gay. Although I wonder whether the collision course, because um, they're setting up a lot of things. There's a collision course between perhaps those two. Uh, also, it seems like, uh, the dandy is, is targeting male homosexuals as well. Um, or at least that's, that's yeah. a place he's getting to start. I don't know. I'm kind of interesting to see, uh, how all these very bad people are going to, uh, end up, you know? So. Yeah. It's kind of, so, so what do you think about the fact that it seems like all the homosexual characters, oh, I, although the dandy is not homosexual, but it seems like two of the, the starring homosexual characters are, uh, kind of evil. Uh, I'm trying to draw a comparison here, and, and I can't honestly tell you a character on the show that's not kind of evil. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad point. Everyone kind yeah. of, I mean, the, 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 uh, the Viking god seemed like a nice enough guy. He's a male prostitute. I'm not going to condemn him oh, yeah. for that, but he seemed like he's a nice guy, and he's trying to be honest with Dell, and Dell just can't handle the truth, much like uh, Tom Cruise. Wow, that that actually I meant that I meant that as a few good men reference, but that actually works on so many levels. It does. It's good. <laughs> um, so let's go to the Mott uh, family, home of the Dandy, and uh, uh, Mama Mott is walking down uh, her staircase and saying, "Dora, it's quarter past seven, and I don't hear the percolator." <laughs> and she finds Dora's dead corpse, and Dandy comes down, and he tries this. Oh, mother, someone must have broken in and murdered Dan, uh, Dora, and I thought she was going to buy it. But she's just yeah. like, Dandy, what have you done? Now I have to clean it up like always. Go to your room. And he acts like he's all affected, but but he's actually... And he played her, played her like a fiddle. Yeah. yeah I can't believe... I don't know. Can, can you help me out with something? What is okay. a patagerie? He's like, patagerie. we can... Yeah, we can bury her out back by the patagerie. I don't know. They use all kinds of uh, big words when they talk to each other. Yeah, it's like rich people have names like for things people. that, like, you know, they have a parlor and a sitting room and an observatory and a conservatory. <laughs> like, is is this like a, a plant-based menagerie? We have a patagerie? <laughs> I don't know. They just, they're just trying to make us feel stupid, and it's working, damn it. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, the dandy... You could have Googled it before we started this and made us seem very smart. Yes, I meant to do that. But alas, our ignorance is laid bare for all to see. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of really like what they're doing here with the dandies, but we'll we'll get a little bit more of that later on. Um, uh, Russell Edgington comes in to Elsa Mars, and he's late. And uh, he tries to suck up to her by saying, this is an extraordinary place, and you're the most marvelous thing. And she and she does that uh, that forty year old virgin joke, right? That forty year forty year old virgin joke where she goes, "You want to know how I know you're gay? You're gonna drink the peach schnapps I offer you." 
Um, so you, she smoked out that he's gay for real? No, that's just a stupid joke. Oh, okay, okay. Cause I, I wouldn't put it past him that I, that I completely missed that. Um, anyway. He, I would believe it though. I mean, he could, he's one of the few people I think who could get away with being, uh, flamboyant. He's from Hollywood after all. That's true. That's true. But he's trying to woo her. And part of that is, uh, you know, some kind of sexual thing or less. I think that's what he's trying to work. Uh, but she's questioning which movie studio he works for. And he's like, I work for WBM. We're the uh, television network. And I thought this was so funny and meta. Elsa yeah. Mars going on about how she'd rather be boiled by oil. That we're, it's, it's, and television is the death of art and civilization. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Like in the middle of the golden age of television, this person going on about how it'll never overtake the silver screen. And now you literally have actors flocking to television to do serious important work and you know it's it's just you know what hilarious i feel like that's actually a pretty recent thing too i mean oh yeah uh in recent memory i can recall that a lot of movie stars went to television when their movie careers were over but now you've got uh, shows like uh true detective with matthew mcconaughey and woody harrelson and just uh and shows like uh fargo that are just yeah. Uh, making movies there, bitch. <laughs> and even shitty shows like the Extant uh, got a got Halle Berry for Christ's sake. I mean, I know. Uh, well, I mean that's that's kind of proof positive of the death of art <laughs> theory. I'm just saying it's it's pretty good evidence <laughs> that even now it's like used to be like maybe you would get them if they were down on their luck, but now like even hot stars are signing up for questionable things just because hey man, it's it's the cool thing to do. Um, yeah. but I thought that was pretty good. Um, we then go to the, and then he says, uh, he says something about, uh, slaying me. Oh, her act is sure there. to slay him. Yes. Yeah. Is that foreshadowing for his stage? I, you know, if it was, I don't know. Cause Ryan Murphy, I feel like likes is, is giggling behind the scenes as he's doing this mm-hmm. stuff because like he knows, he knows that we know that he knows that we know about foreshadowing <laughs> And it's, yeah. it's like most people I'd say, yeah, that's obvious foreshadowing, but he could just be fucking with us. Because if, I feel like he's setting up a situation where anyone could plausibly kill anyone else in this entire cast. And we'd be like, yeah, that's about right. Which yeah. is kind of hard, really hard to do. Yeah. Um, so we move on to Lobster Boy. He's out behind the tent and he's adorably rehearsing his act. Um, and Esmeralda catches him and says, you're being adorable and I want to read your poem. Uh-huh. And she is pretty clearly warning him to get the hell out of Dodge because she has some affection for him. She's like, I see the shadow of a man. He's going to tell you lies. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, she's both being affectionate towards him and repulsed by him. Is she really? Because she says the future's bright. I'm just just not in it. But is she really firm in that resolve? Oh, no, she's not firm yet. It's just just strange. Yeah. But she's, at, the, guess, she's uh, at least trying to save him because she's obviously warning him away from the fork-dicked Russell Edgington. Ah. Uh, uh, so uh, Jimmy comes in and says, where the hell is Dell? We got the big, we got a big sold-out show. We don't even have a Barker. And Ethel says, you need to go look for him. And I'm like, what the hell, Ethel? Do you, <laughs> what, what are you playing at here, woman? Are you wanting to keep these two apart? Are you wanting to put them together? I, you know, should Dell stay the hell away? Should Dell take him under his wing? What, what, what does she want? Uh, 
Nobody knows. Not even her face. <laughs> yeah, a f- is about is about the appropriate response there. Uh, we find out that he goes to Dell's uh, quarters, his little uh, trailer, and we find out Dell ain't here. Uh, Desiree ain't in the mood to put on her act. Dell's long gone. She talks about them having a good life for a while, that they were a team. She would drop her cloak and the crowd would gasp. But maybe Dell don't ah. maybe Dell don't want to be on her team no more. No, maybe she uh, shouldn't want to be on his. Yeah, and then one of the crappy parts of the episode happens, which is Jimmy giving a pretty wooden, a wooden, unconvincing performance or performance regarding around uh, Meep and moping for again. Meep. Again with the Meep stuff. Did you notice when, just, when he said that Meep is the one who's brave that there was actually a Meep sound on the soundtrack? Was there really? Yes, I, I, I listened to that three different times, and when he says that, there is a sad Meep sound in the soundtrack. Oh, that is sad. I couldn't tell if that was awesome or bullshit. But he Again, just, and there's nothing against Meep. It's just that I don't buy that Jimmy cares that much, or is that pure of a person. I mean, he killed a cop and got them into that situation. So really, he's just throwing himself a pity party constantly. Yeah, I mean, this guy played a mentally disabled Frankenstein last year, and now he's playing a conflicted tough guy lobster boy, and I'm thinking that the reason I could tolerate him last year is because he was playing a character who didn't, you know, was was thick as hell. And now he's trying to play a guy who we're supposed to see as a thinking, kind of like a, a sort of an intellectual, but also he's got a heart of gold and also he's super tough. And I'm just not buying any of it. I I think the show grounds to a halt every single time he's on screen. Really? Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not having it. And then him seduce I don't I don't feel that strongly about it. Okay. I just don't think they that they uh I mean not as him as an actor. I, I like him as an actor right now. Okay. And in that role, but I just don't think that they set him up well enough. That lobster boy. To be convincing and believable. That lobster boy. He's so hot right now. Um, (laughs) uh, what did you think of the seduction of, I can't, I couldn't tell who was seducing who, but at the end of it, Desiree was, I knew, I knew as soon as she talked about her glory days that they were going to have sex or something (laughs) like it. How did you smoke that out? Um, one, she wanted to, feel sexy again like she did when she was performing and mm. she's drinking heavily mm. <laughs> all right uh i just felt like i felt like this was going to go in two different directions if they hadn't have had uh, sexual relations first mm. she's just the wrong person to be confiding in i mean they with the meat episode where he died they set it up that Dell, uh Dell and jimmy were trying to bring each other down and now you're telling his wife that you killed somebody yeah um, uh, the, the only thing that saves like that from smartness. it doesn't seem smart and fortunately jimmy's saved by the fact that uh she, it seems like desiree full-on hates Dell, as she should as yeah. she should now so yeah Dell is a fraud and an abusive one at that um, yeah, and by the end of the episode she has legitimate reasons yeah um not that not that her life with him isn't a legitimate reason enough yeah yeah it was just the driving force the straw that broke the camel's back 
But he tries to work her his magic with his uh, little lobster boy fingers, and she's into it. And she's like, "Make me feel something, Jimmy." And he did. He the uh, and then he stabs right through her. <laughs> made her feel a piercing pain in her cervix, apparently, and she's bleeding, and she needs help, and it's a it's a mess. Uh, uh, at the at at, uh, at at the actual freak show, the pinheads are opening for Mrs. Mars, and I would like to see their act. I would really like to see their act because yeah. they look charm. They look they look charming as hell. They look very cute. Yep. Right. Um, and Mrs. Mars begins life on Mars again, uh, again, and she's bombing this time and they drop out the soundtrack about, I don't know, 15 seconds into it and do slow-mo and people are throwing garbage and they're booing at her. And my question is they showed Stanley kind of doing some, 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 he's smirking at her, but he also in, there's a scene that I didn't mention where he kind of is going into the crowd and saying, Hey, do you think that Stanley set this up or do you think she's actually kind of terrible? Because I saw her performance. And I, I think thought she's it was actually, good. I think she's actually kind of bombing right now. And I don't think it's because of her performance. She's a great performer. It's just that she's doing the same thing again. And people don't want to see that anymore. They're bored by it. So they, but but no one has that. seen this. This is the first. This is the first sold out a performance that they've come because the freaks have all saved them. Oh, we don't know that. I'm pretty sure that their show has been a failure. No, this is. It shows the last episode. We showed the people coming around Jimmy because they felt safe in the town again. They knew the freaks weren't the murderers. See, I thought we don't this know was... how many shows in they are at this point. All right. Well, here's my interpretation. This was the op- this was the night after the curfew. And this is the first performance, and I think that Russell Edgington has paid off the crowd or some some portion of the crowd to start them being rowdy because his television proposal to her flopped so bad that he needed her back in his fold. And, you know, because if she had just been awesome, he would have been screwed. So okay. that's, that's, right. that's my interpretation. It's the first time that I have been wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're gun shy now, right? After this, yep. after this death. The del- propose any new theories you are right in all things that's the thing i didn't even i don't i can't remember who suggested it but some dude fucking called dell being gay like three episodes ago for all the right reasons and i'm just as amazed as you are i just thought once he said that i i was all on board with theory so don't feel bad or you can feel bad you can feel no, as bad I feel as you terrible. want honestly no, okay i'm gonna i'm not gonna sleep ever again because i'll be crying myself <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she comes in and says, tell me more about this television that I'm no longer too good for. Um, <laughs> so Desiree is going in town with Ethel and she's seeing the remarkably kind hearted and progressive doctor. And I mean that like yeah. this guy's fucking awesome. Like I no, would say, cool. I would he's say cool. he's awesome for 1950, but that's damning him with faint praise. Like he's just a really modern, uh, sensible, kind hearted, sees people as people kind of doctor and i really like him oh i know my gynecologist today doesn't give me that much respect and <laughs> <laughs> uh, non-judgment when i go in there like, my god <laughs> get away from me you monster <laughs> pay 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 the receptionist on your way out um, <clears throat> but uh, he says uh, he asked her if he gets her minces if she bleeds once a month and uh he said well actually the problem is uh you, she doesn't bleed like ever. 
Yeah, she doesn't. And he said, uh, you know, she tells her story about when she was born, her mom thought she had a boy and she was named Derek. Philadelphia, born and raised. Yep, yep. And uh, her name. shows where she spent most of her days. <laughs> her name was the Fresh Derek. And, uh, and then she became a teenager and grew the boobs and uh, the life was no longer a dream. And he goes, you know, um, you are actually a full a genetically and biologically a woman. Uh, there is some kind of probably chromosomal irregularity here where it it made an excess of testosterone, which your body responded by growing an excess of estrogen, which explains your third breast. And, and this isn't a penis you have. It's actually just an enlarged clit. And if you want, is we can... Is it bad that I really want to see a clit so big that you think it's a penis? Well, you could... You could... But I will never Google that. <laughs> I was going to say you could check out One Night in China. Uh, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big clit. Uh, but, uh, uh, China, the wrestler. Yes. If you want to see the, if you want to see what excess testosterone does to a stock woman's vagina, uh, check that out and, 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 uh, see what you think. But, um, he says, Hey, you're, you're all woman and there's nothing wrong with you, but there is surgery. If you, if you want us, uh, if, if it would help you feel more comfortable. And then just like, again, this guy's amazing, right? Yeah. And he, she's okay. actually, she's actually kind of happy, I think, or maybe not about potentially having a baby with Dell because that's the whole point. She was actually pregnant no, for twelve weeks and then miscarried. Yeah, her. she's just happy that she can have babies. I guess. Mm. I think she's happy about the fact that she can have babies with Dell because that would be your first option. Obviously, it's the first thing that springs to mind. Well, plus it seems like she was really pissed with him once he came home and was less than thrilled. She could tell that he. Not only has he been out, God, dude, God knows what, but he was kind of less than thrilled at the idea about having a kid with her. Cause she's yeah. no, she's no dummy. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene that I thought was actually very funny with, uh, Mama Mott, uh, where yeah. she's explaining to her, her ground crew why they have to dig this 12 foot pit for her special bulbs from Holland. And she's like, yeah. uh, ma'am, they only have to be like 18 inches under. She's like, that's special bulbs from Holland. Do not question me. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought it was so hilarious. Okay. And then the next scene, rich people like weird stuff. That's right. They're, they're, they're weird and they do weird shit. Um, and the, the gardener's kind of like, okay, whatever. We're getting paid the same. Yeah. And then she talks about the mental perversions of the affluence. Um, there's a lot of inbreeding. Yeah, and, it's, it's uh, basically tar- she's talking about her Targaryen dynasty, where every time they the the cousins fuck, the brothers and sisters fuck, the gods flip a coin, and the world holds their breath to see if you're going to have a crazy ass dandy or a <laughs> sane person. Um, yeah. And you heard it here first, folks. The one percent are all inbred murderers. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. The Koch brothers. George Soros, they're all, all crazy as hell. All, all the Windsors, um, Not over a there. Not exception. Yeah. That is the rule. Yeah. Jack the Ripper, he was a Windsor for God's sake. Um, his father seemed like he was crazy. And, uh, he said, look, I don't want to end up like daddy. And she's like, well, you know, there aren't drifter, you know, the world's change. You can't just murder a drifter to get it out of your system. And he's like, yeah, I know. I don't want to be swinging from a Japanese maple. Uh, apparently either committing suicide or maybe a lynch mob formed and threw off the... Seems, well, I don't know why it would have to be a lynch mob. I think maybe he just got caught killing people in Japan and was killed himself for it. 
Oh, you, you, so it was in the was is in the far east that this our, happened. Our Japanese maple doesn't mean it has to be in Japan. True, so. that's what I was thinking, and as an oddly specific reference. But this guy's thrown around patagery, so who the fuck knows? Yeah, um, who knows when his father got caught? So it could be like twenty years ago. And I would believe that the sheriff would just hang you from a tree. Hmm. Right on. Uh, so Mrs. Mars is getting dolled up. Um, and, uh, there's a really cute scene where she says, Ma Petite's giving her a pedicure. And she's like, No, 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 Ma Petite. There can be no smudges. I must be a fantasy because I'm having my publicity photos taken. And Russell Edgington is going to, um, you know, chop me around for my television show. And so here's the thing. Where, where does this fantasy start? Because she goes out to meet him at his car and he is driving away with the twins in the back. Yeah, I believe this all really happened. This also he got ready to be taken away. She came out to the car, and he decided on an easier target. Two of them, in fact. Plus, they're genuine. I mean, his whole target is is like he wants to keep Miss Mars on the dole enough that she's not going to kick him out. But his real target is the freaks. So he's wanting. Uh, Yeah. So if you want to keep her close enough that she won't kick you out, your first thing to do is completely betray her. In front of her face? Yeah. It's like he told her to meet him at that car at that exact time. Yes. And he decided at that exact time he was going to take someone else. Yeah. And he like, doesn't plan on coming back. I mean, I don't know. So, so again, oh, we'll get, we're get we getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I've got some more questions about this. Okay, no, actually, we're here. Because then yeah, we, we, come, here. we come back from commercial and the twins' heads are in a fish tank. And he's like, yeah. how, and she's in this, the, uh, the Museum of Morbidity woman's like, how did they expire? Oh, well, the, and, and one of this heads are a lot more necrotic than the other. And he's like, well, this one got a cold. And then she died. And there's this flash, pit, um, back of him taking her, the two women, Dot and, uh, uh, and this is the first, Bet. this was the first instance where I realized that you were right and I was wrong. The woman asked about how one died before the other. And then she was like, oh, yeah, a cold, right. <laughs> I'll buy that. Yeah, she's totally amoral uh, about how she, she gets her collection. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he, he, she, he's plying them with pink cupcakes in this very idyllic picnic setting, and we need Twisty to come back from the dead and stab him to death. Um, yeah. but, but that's not going to happen, and he feeds them these cupcakes and it shows a flat. I like, we've got multiple layers of fantasy because we got a, we yeah. got a fantasy with a flashback of him preparing these cupcakes and, <laughs> and bet eats one and she starts choking and dies. And then we have this flashback to them in the tent and, and dot and, and a bet is clearly dead and bot dot is crying and saying, Oh, I'm so alone. I can hear her. Oh, it hurts. And, <laughs> God, that was really good. She played that really well. Right, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like this is where we're going. This is what, and maybe this is the the this is the this is this. He's throwing this out there so he can get this idea out of the one twin dying and the other one being trapped in the body and how horrific that is and not have to actually go through it, the plot. Uh-huh. But then we pop back to the picnic and Dot saying, "Oh, well, we can't have cupcakes. We have to watch our figure if we're going to be on television." It's, it's it, oh, it's Bet. That's the more serious one, yeah. I mean, so he still baked up the poison cupcakes the exact same way. They just didn't end up eating them. No, Dot is the Dot is the morose one. She's the one that's got the more whimsical name, but she's the morose one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I that, I got that screwed up in the beginning too, but I'm pretty sure it's dot that is the more more sober life is hell, and and bet is the oh for, for pimp cupcakes and dinosaur. No, I, and, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't really care what the difference is. Did it you, makes no difference to me. Did you get the reference for uh, with Dinah Shore and the high yellow? Her mama said she's huh. she's a high a high yellow. No, I did not either, and I apologize. I, if someone doesn't do the research for us, we will do. We will get that taken care of next week. I just this Albuquerque thing is really throwing me off my my game. Uh, you but, know, what? I I'm I may have gotten it. I would just have to watch it again to know exactly what you're talking about because. Uh, if I didn't get it, I, I feel like I would have written it down. Oh, yeah, because he's talking about, um, like the television show and like, well, maybe we can have guests like Dinah Shore. And they're like, oh, Dinah Shore. And, and then Dot says, well, mama never let us watch her. She said she was high yellow, which I'm like, huh. But, but my thing is, what is the, I don't get this, I don't get, what are we supposed to get? That Russell Edgington is planning this and this is what he wants to happen. And he's like fantasizing about it, and then she brings him back to reality by refusing oh, the cupcakes. High, high yellow is a term for people classified as black who also have a high por- proportion of white ancestry. Oh, so, so it's it's just racist term. as hell, which was it, yeah. which matches what we know about their mother. Right, uh, she seems like a very unpleasant person. But I, again, this 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 flashback slash fantasy slash dream sequence slash I don't know what the hell is go. I I I'm really unsettled by it, and I kind of want to get my bitch on, but I'm going to wait to see if this makes sense in a couple episodes. Again, it's so weird. It's like they really want us to see what would have happened had this plan worked, because it would have been so cool to see one of the twins die. Or it's like they listen to your fan theory about how you thought one of the twins' heads was going to die, and they're like, "Well, we're not going to do that, but we'll we'll let you see it anyway." Yeah, but it, as it is, like I I think that's cool. I like it, but I feel like I'm just being jerked around all the time, and I'm like, "Wow, I was like, Sarah Paulson's yeah. dead." This well, you know, I guess that that that's really going to set us on edge, and anybody can die. And I'm trying to I'm trying to grapple with the new show's reality, and then nope, nope, it was all a dream. I'm like what the fuck? Yeah. That seems uh, seems like a really mean thing to do to your audience. <laughs> Especially since it's super – because, you know, a lot of people we discussed in the preseason interviews where he's like, yeah, if people die in this show, they're really dead. Except if it's a fucking flashback, fake out, bullshit. So I'm, I'm getting my bitch on. And I said I yeah. was not going to do that. So I, I've, I've – I've, Yeah, but I just I just want you people to know it's 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 there. I've got it. I got it. I got it. I got a chain on it. But I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it off the chain if Ryan Murphy does not come correct and make this payoff some way that's satisfying or says something deep about Russell Edgington and his forked penis. It's 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 building to a head. <laughs> it's there. Both of the forked penises are building to a head. Uh, you know what? A scene that worked totally. Dandy Dan, doing his all that is man and American in, in his little playroom going full on American Psycho. That was fucking rad, man. And this is this is the second point where I was super wrong, and that is that all of the things in there are glorified exercise equipment. 
Yes. And you know what's so even funny? In pro, even in croquet field. <laughs> I was taking notes. I was taking notes uh, with my phone, and I was using the swipe feature where you, you've got that freaky thing where it somehow ESP tells what you're supposed to be typing by you just moving your thumb along the keyboard like an Ouija board. Um, uh-huh. And it's it's like 99% accurate. But when I was typing, mother can't keep my greatness in the slips, it typoed gayness. And I just like, <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there because there is a lot about this get scene that is super duper gay. And they trade on that throughout the rest of the episode, which I thought was really, really kind of interesting and sly. And I don't think that is gay. No. Well, it's like at what that that's a th- it's interesting. At what point do you act so gay for so long that even though you're straight, you actually I mean, like, like if I'm if if. It's it's kind of like at the end where he's like, I'm not gay. I'm not a fruit. Now, turn around to my back. We're going to both get naked, and we're going to turn around, and magic's going to happen. Okay. And then he ended up murdering the guy. But at what point do you say shit like that and do shit like this and make out with yourself in front of a mirror and can claim with a straight face that you have no... I'm talking on the Kinsey scale. He's not at a zero. (laughs) I don't know what exactly he is, but he's certainly not at a zero. Okay. That's that's my my take on that. Okay. Uh, he wants to become the U.S. Steel of murder, uh, because he is the apex predator. He feels no emotions when he kills people that are even close to him. Uh, the clown, He's strong, violent, and full of limitless potential. The the clown showed him the way, but he's no clown. He is greatness. He is the future, and it's just it's just creepy and brilliant. And now he is a he is a powder keg. That I'm waiting to see explode every single time he's on the screen. Yeah. Um, and I cannot believe. Can you imagine watching him in the first episode and where he is at now? Did you see that coming at all? Yes. Really? Oh, man. People who are that uh, spoiled and sheltered and hampered like that. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I see him being a murderer, but I didn't think of him as being super menacing. And for some reason, he just really, or, and, or like, oh, like being yeah, a like, if, scary dude. yes, that's what I didn't see. Yeah. Um, hey, we're going to go to a fun location. It's the gay bar in Jupiter, Florida. And Dell's there. Dell's there making time with the Viking god. Why do you keep calling him a Viking god? I don't think I get that reference. Oh, he's the he's the male prostitute that Russell Edgington took to bed. Oh, that was him. Yeah, yeah, same guy. Okay, with his with that Viking hat on, covering his hair, he looks like a totally different person. Okay, and you know what? I could be wrong about that, but I'm I'm as yeah. As... I don't think so. I think this is a different dude because well, there are a lot of because this is a semi-famous guy. He was in that movie, uh, the something about a heart, the gentle heart. A good heart. I heart like Huckabees? No. None. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and people are losing their minds about this actor, Matt Bomer. Okay. So you, might, you, you might be right. I just thought it was the same guy because I don't pay much attention, to that that much attention to but nondescript pretty men. You think there's only one gay prostitute in Jupiter, Florida? <laughs> there's, a, there's dozens. Dozens of them. There's two. Don't get carried away. <laughs> At least two. We know there's the, the, the lower so limit now of... Now there's only one. <laughs> that's true that's true uh current statistics uh but we're not there yet again watch the spoilers watch the spoilers and this uh, is the third time where aaron was right and i was wrong was gay. <laughs> yeah and he's delusional gay too he's he's deeply closeted and delusional because this male prostitute's like look boy look man 
I am totally a gay male prostitute. And he's like, no, no, you and me ain't about work. And he's like, look, I like it here. You know, I get, I get well paid. It's fun. The worst is I get a little jizz in my hair or some blood in my shorts or something gets a bit rough. And you can see the anger and violence of Dell and his repression right at the surface because he's like, you know, almost gets himself shotgunned because of how violent he becomes at this guy's disgusting quote unquote talk. And yeah. he, he says, look, you know, I'm, let me take you away from here. I want to, uh, I, I want to put you up at some place where you can be an artist because we find out he, he's a, he's a very talented artist apparently. And, uh, the yeah. guy, go ahead. Well, you just saw the picture he drew, uh, that he gave to Dell in the beginning of the two dudes. Mm-hmm. Booning or boning or boning or and, booning. Yeah. And he says, look, this is a lot, <laughs> this is a lot of, a big talk. I've, and he, he says, but I got a wife. This is hard. It's complications, but I love you. And he says, you know, he, he has a couple good points. He's like, look, who are you? Why are you in the closet? You're not, you're not a businessman. You, you know, you're, you're in a freak show for God's sakes. He said, yeah, but nobody knows I'm a freak. What? We know that his, after this episode, that his pappy has the lobster claws and he gave birth to a boy with lobster claws and he has the freak blood running through him. What is his, do you think he has some kind of hidden freak ability other than his insane Hulk-like anger? And gayness? No. Yeah. I mean. No, I don't even think being particularly strong makes you a freak. I mean, he's not any, he's not breathtakingly big. Right. Like, if he was Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah. But I just don't, I honestly, and he's, he's above average height, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not that impressed with Bill. Okay. Um, and he says. <laughs> and he, and he preys on women and old men and children, and he's just a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the guy tries to let him down easy. He's like, after he makes this impassioned speech about how, you know, that my, I'm not really that, even that stronger, tougher. It's just that I feel pain and I deal with it. But, you know, the hurt of loving someone you can't have is the worst. He's like, look, Dell, this is my office. I'm working. Okay. And Dell stomps off and then Dandy comes up and says, hello. And, uh, we like, oh boy, uh, somebody going to die at the end of this episode. We move on yeah. to, uh, Miss Mars, Elsa Mars, approaching the twins, the conjoined twins, and says, I'm going to mentor you. I've heard, I've heard that you're going to have a TV show just like me. And I'm going to, uh, and, and, uh, Stanley wants me to mentor you in the ways of being a star. And I've arranged to get you a private meeting with a seamstress. And you can tell that Dot is like, well, not only can you tell, but she mentally telegraphs to her twin, I don't trust this crazy On a new hat. Yeah, and she's like, I don't care. I want a new, I, yeah, I want a new hat. Uh, Dell comes back to the freak show and Desiree says, Doc says I can have babies and it's not too late. And he's like, great. And she goes off on him, says, your daddy had the lobster hands. You got freak blood running through your, uh, th- uh, running through your veins. Your chicken shit. I'm a real woman. And I'm going to be, after this surgery this doc's going to have, I'm going to be too much woman for you. And I'm moving in with Ethel because her fucking caboose wagon is a lot more awesome than this shit show. And she's a cool lady. And I think I think she's always been too much woman for him, even if he was 100 percent straight. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. And obviously, you know, that's the that's the worst is he's being as he plans on leaving her high and dry. 
which God knows how many women he's done to, and after he's dealt out years of emotional abuse to her, he still doubles down, and he knows that he doesn't love her in that way, and that he's gay. Well, he's a very possessive person. Yeah. You can't leave me. I was going to leave you. Yeah, it's a very possession thing. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Lots of that going around in TV this week. They had the whole slap town, the uh, creepy uh, debacle over on The Walking Dead, and now you got this. Um, So anyway, I I love the idea of Desiree and uh, Ethel living together, the two former people that they can just have the We Hate Dell Club, and they can be awesome together, and they're awesome caboose wagon, and I'm really looking forward to that. It's like their own freak show version of Lucy and Ethel. For my love, Lucy. Yes, yes. Except for there's going to be no no Desi and no Frank. It's just nope. all. It's just all. So the maybe best it's parts. more like Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> um. So we see Dandy is setting up shop. Okay, so it's going to be like Thelma and Louise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope they don't run off a cliff. I hope they just beat well. Del to death with a baseball bat, and they don't actually uh, <laughs> go off the cliff. Um, that would be interesting. That would be totally Ryan Murphy for him to do an homage. And that would be, I kind of can see it in my mind's eye. Desiree's got the scarf on her head and Ethel's got the beard and they clasp hands and then they drive off into the Gulf of Mexico <laughs> off a of pier. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's that glory. That magnificent bastard. That's exactly what he's going to do. I'm calling mm-hmm. it. Um, Dandy's setting up shop. Dandy's setting up shop in the school bus. Uh, Twisty's old pad, which seems like a ridiculously bad idea. Like, why isn't this still a crime scene? Yeah, I, I would have demolished that thing. I mean, how many people lost their lives in it? Ugh. Nobody really knows. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a very bad place to commit a murder, but that's exactly what he's going to do. No, it's a great place to commit a murder, which is why it should not still be standing. Mm, mm. Well, no, I just feel like, again, like you go, a, poli- a cop could be like, hey, you know, I left some evidence out there. I'm going to go you know, check it out. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, and also I thought it was interesting that there was a lot of references to Dandy being a wanted man. Cause they had, the, like, oh. they had all those wanted posters of the clown face. Oh yeah. Yeah. But they don't know who and it he didn't is. Look like pussies, but I don't know. Yeah. You're right. That's another reason why I think maybe a little bit more time has passed from the, uh, twisties trailer thing being discovered. And now, because there would still be a crime scene, even if they weren't the top-notch investigators they were in the fi- or they are now in the fifties. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, at the very least, people will always be curious. So just anybody can be like, "Oh, got the scary ghost story. Let's go walk by the trailer where yeah. the clown lives." You got I mean, you got looking loose. You got teenagers, bored teenagers. Uh, you got all kinds of stuff, and it's just the it's like the day. If I'm right about the timeline. You might be right about several days, but if I'm right about the timeline, this is literally the next day. Right. So, uh, anyway, uh, but he's, he, we already talked about this scene about, I'm not a fruit. I just, I just want to have a naked duel and see how the magic happens. <laughs> um, and, uh, the one guy who is, uh, the, uh, not, not a Viking god, uh, is like, okay, cause you can tell this is, this is something that he puts up with as a gay prostitute in the 50s. It's probably still stuff that the gay prostitutes put up with. Guys that are so far in the closet that they, look, look, I'm, I'm not gay. I just want you to get naked and lay up on top of me out of, out of the respect you have for me as a man. 
uh, in my mask. Any pay him a hundred dollars. Any pay him a hundred dollars, which I just plugged this in. That would be the equivalent equivalent of eight hundred and ninety dollars today. That is that is that would get you out to an abandoned school bus in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Yes, it would. I will take my clothes off with my back to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, but he's like, yeah, it's like, I'm not gay. I just, uh, I, I just, I just want to get down on your behind, you know, but they don't make me queer. What, what, come on. Uh, but he, he, he's like, okay, whatever, whatever you need to tell yourself. And he turns around and, uh, Dandy is sitting there naked except for his tidy whities. He's got the mask on and he's holding Ugh. shears. And he stabs this guy, and this guy will not die. No. And I uh, I tried to pause it a few times. It never showed a clear shot. But Dandy has his own weapon now. It's, it's not the shears? Carved. No, it's some sort of, maybe it's smaller, like, scissors that are closed all the way. Because the shears, they look so old that they never closed all the way. It's still slightly open. And this is oh. a smaller weapon. I thought that's just the way Twisty was holding them. And I was honestly watching it through our sling box. Um, and I yeah. only had this SD version of the sling, sling box. And it wasn't super yeah. high quality. So I just assumed it was the same shears. No, I'm, I was paying close attention because the shears have been a point of interest for me. Yeah, because that's what I was Adam, about to ask. So you. Is like, how do you, how do you feel about this being... <laughs> back into his hands now. So you're saying it's it's you're saying it's a intricately carved weapon, really? It seemed that way. It seemed like the handle was some. I mean, what it looked like to me is it looked like a letter opener. Huh. But again, they never they never showed it closely enough, and you know the stabs were too fast to actually be able to see what he's doing. But, was, but, but you could tell from the from the wounds that he was leaving hmm. that it wasn't those giant garden shears. But he did kill Dora with those shears, right? He did. Man, I just, I don't know. I'm, I, of course, I, I'm going to bow to your, your knowledge because again, I watched it in SD and I'm jet lagged all the hell and all that stuff. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah. It's not I, that it makes or breaks anything no, for me. I just, yeah. I just think it's a big point. It's certainly not a crucial, crucial plot point. But what right. is, is the fact that he's going into his American psycho routine. He's talking about rule one of the being a, a good killer. Leave no evidence behind. You start with the limbs. He's starting to do the Walter White. He's got a bottle of lye. He's going to dissolve this guy in a bathtub. And the guy is still alive. And he's saying, please kill me. Is He said, stop being alive. You're making me feel bad. Is, is, this, but he doesn't, yeah. is, is this actually happening? Or is this all in his mind? No, I believe it's actually happening. Well, that's a good point. Maybe, I mean, again, I kind of reason it away as if he was stabbing someone with something as small as a letter opener, I've read real stories of a of people, a woman in particular, who was stabbed 40 times in the back. Sure. And she lived. She lived to tell about it. So yeah. if he was stabbing him with something small enough like that, if he didn't hit him like directly in the heart, maybe punctured a lung, just kind of circumvented all the vital things, mm-hmm. there's a possibility this guy could live through it. Huh. I Some of those wounds, especially when the first time he said, why won't you die, and was like just going to town on his back, it like it was going right through his lungs. I mean, I, you hear that all the time. Like, that's just like one like Lucky, Lucky Luciano survived a vicious stabbing attack and end up coming back from it. So yeah, some um, people just want to live. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people are tough old bastards. Uh, but and, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't or tough like, young fruit cakes in the as, head or something like that to yeah. kill him or he just cut off his other arm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean... He said that it was making him feel bad. Yeah, no, like Walking Dead stabbing through someone's skulls is as easy as putting a knife through hot butter. So I don't (laughs) know why it's so hard to do. (laughs) Um... But anyway, this this scene with this guy just dying so incredibly hard was brutal because you know it's kind of like I was creeped out when when Twisty was killing uh, the babysitter or the the picnic uh, girl's lover. Yeah, just, and, and and he was still still alive, and you could tell. And but this was like that to the nth degree, and add, adding his so sociopath tendencies where he was like making it all about like stop stop doing this you're making me feel bad was just something about that was just profoundly disturbing to me oh yeah absolutely i like how i say something about that like i you know i I don't know why you shouldn't be disturbing but yeah no i think it's a normal you know you know what they say about uh (laughs) if you've been abducted or something like that you always want to or you always want to use the person's name yeah. To try and humanize them so that they can start to feel like it's not someone they're going to murder. It's right. someone they've, they've abducted. It's a person. That's right. Feeling family. And right. That's it. Yeah, you got no hope with uh, trying to pull that shit with the dandy. Yeah. Uh, so here's another scene that I have a problem with. Uh, Regina. That Bo- Gloria Mott has a phone outside. <laughs> yeah, I had a big problem with that too. Realism problems aside, uh, Regina, Do- Doris's daughter, uh, calls up and she says, I'm really enjoying my time at the secretary school in New York. Is my mother all right? And uh, Miss Mott is trying to do the, like, what is what is your remembrance of me as a mother? And she tells this story about how Dandy called for her when he was sick as a little boy and she had the governess go take care of him. And she sang The Sound of Music. And then the dandy never, never called for her again. And, uh, Regina's like, uh, yeah, crazy lady, I'm peacing out. What the hell was wrong with her performance here? Or was there something wrong? Was she trying to do something? What's her, what's her name? Um, Gabrielle Sibide. Yes. I, she, something about her plays too modern for me. It's not just that. It just, I, I, like she, I felt like she read that from a, like, like she literally phoned that performance in. Exactly. Uh, this is a girl who spent her entire life from childhood with this family. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that Gloria Mott calls and said, or you call and reach Gloria Mott and she starts asking you about her motherhood and talking about Dandy that you get uncomfortable mm-hmm. with that? I don't yeah. believe it. Plus, you'd have to be used to how crazy this this woman is, right? I mean, you talk yeah, to your exactly. mom every. And how crazy. You talk to her mom every week, or she talks to her mom every week, so she knows. I'm sure she keeps her up on all the latest. She's like, "Child, this white boy, you would not believe the shit he's doing. I found him skinning a cat behind a garage, and on top of the white girl he raped last year. I mean, like you can tell that this is this is something they have to be talking about on a regular basis. So." At no point did anything in this performance or this characterization work for me. No. I would have believed it more if she had just played along and then hung up and immediately called the police because, uh, I don't know, if there's this little boy who's killing cats behind sheds as a child mm-hmm. and suddenly this woman's having an existential crisis on the phone with you and your mom's not answering your calls and she won't be able to answer your calls for a month. Yeah. You you start to ask questions, not hang up and not ask anymore. 
I just hope that she shows up and she uses her badass voodoo powers to Oh yeah, to that's take probably revenge. the end of her. <laughs> oh no, yeah, no. She's gonna be uh she she's she's setting herself up to be series regular status. I'm curious to see where this is going to go because if she comes out there just to get murdered by Dandy and or Gloria, I'm gonna be calling some bullshit. No, I think she'll be I think she may be the strong woman that can put an end to it. You know oh, what I mean? Because that was my original prediction is Dora was going to do these two in, but her daughter yeah. is going to be it's it's the mantle of of Slayer is passing to her. I like yeah. that. Maybe yes. Yeah. Maybe Dora put an end to uh, Dandy's father. Ooh. And got him caught or was somehow no, she swung, uh, instrumental. She, in she his... hoisted him up on the the Japanese maple. <laughs> yeah. That is that I'm I'm liking I'm liking what you're putting down there. Uh Mrs. If we never find out any more about Dandy's father, I'm going to accept that as canon. Yes, yes, I I, I agreed. It is it has been we'll, we'll have a sacred headcanon pact. <laughs> 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 we'll formalize it when I return. We'll get it in writing. <laughs> we'll spit our hands and shake. Sign it in blood. Sign it in blood. I think that's how you formalize a headcanon pact. Um. <laughs> Uh, Elsa is driving through the countryside with the twins to take them on to private seamstress visit. And when she gets a better idea, because even, even poor stupid bet realizes, uh, uh, Elsa Maz, you're, you're supposed to take us to town and you're just driving us further out through the country. Why ever could that be? Uh, Dell stops by to see the kindly old doctor and says, oh, the only doctor in town, the only doctor in town and says, you're a busybody. Uh, you should retire, and I'm going to give you a little encouragement because I'm going to break both of your hands, and then I'm going to threaten you, and I'm going to threaten your grandchildren to break their delicate little hands like twigs. Dell is a bad, bad man. Oh, and the way he breaks his hands is so gruesome. Ugh. Oh. It's the worst. Like, he not only does he break his fingers, he just, like, distorts them. It's so awful. Like, I don't think he'll ever be able to work again. Well, here's the thing. I'm thinking that this doctor is so badass that he's not going to be afraid of Dell and he's actually going to help. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously he can't do the procedure himself because his hands are a horror show at this point, but he's going yeah. to help Desiree and Ethel get, get out of this. And he's going to be instrumental in the bringing Dell to justice. It might cost him his life, but, but this is, I, I, I swear to God, I'm this close to writing fan fiction. And I'm dis- <laughs> and it's it's disgusting please, please me. Do it. it is disgusting do me. It. But this is what this show is bringing out in me. I've got like I want things to happen, and I need things to happen now. Uh, <laughs> what, how I love do, it. How do you feel about these things? Not that strongly, but I will read that fan fiction. <laughs> okay. All right. And how uh, we with delight. <laughs> Miss uh, Miss Mars goes up to Miss Mott's, uh, the 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 Queen Dandy herself, and knocks on her door and says, "I brought you something you want," which calls back her trying to buy the twins off of her for ten grand. What the hell is going on here? Is this going to be another flashback? What, what I, is you know, or did we go back in the future and it's actually going to be the Dandy that killed and tortured these people? And I. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on. I really don't. No, I think this is really happening. Elsa selling the twins. Okay. I don't know how. I don't know how the twins could be willingly dragged into the house by these two older women. Sure. Or what? 
how they won't immediately call the police once they get inside the doors. Because I think it's um, it's just science that Bet and Dot have the strength of 1.5 women. So yeah. there's no way. They're, they're arguably a superwoman. There's no way they can be abducted or coerced and held against, as you said, held against their will. That's a a great turn of phrase. Yeah, if they ended up eating those pink cupcakes that just knocked them out and she brought them there, that I would buy. (laughs) They wake up chained up. That's different. That's a little different. Yeah, and maybe the pink cupcakes. But they're just sitting in the back of the car like, oh, well, I guess we're getting sold now. Hmm. It'd be really cool if the pink cupcakes, I hear, I'm, I'm in total fan fiction mode, the pink cupcakes interact with their freak genetic structure to give them superpowers. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Write that down before you forget about that. I will. Tune in next week to, to Aaron's uh, next installment of Freak Show Fan Fiction. Uh, it's going to be a recurring segment that absolutely will not be a recurring segment. <laughs> <laughs> a one-time recurring segment. <laughs> What'd you say? I said a one-time recurring segment. A one-time for one night only. A one night only. Um, <laughs> that's all I got. Let's 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 pay some bills and then gets into some feedback. If you'd like to support Bald Move and the things we're doing, support independent podcasting um, because you know we tell it like it is and we have fun. And the only we- reason we can do that is because FX isn't paying us to do this podcast. Um, yep. And the way you can support us is to go to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash bald move and find out how you can not only give us, give us the much needed support, but you can get extra access uh, for yourself. You can get ad free feeds. So you never have to listen to me drone on about this again. Uh, we have special content lunch with Jim and Aaron. We had a really funny segment that we did at the airport that we'll be uploading the next day or two this week where we played you and I's favorite game, Sky Mall draft yes. and 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 we had a lot of fun doing that um you can also go to subable.com slash bald move where you can commission p- custom podcasts and other uh custom content uh you can use your amazon.baldmove.com affiliate link to buy your stuff on amazon where you can enjoy all of the great amazon features and pricing and shipping and service and you also steal money from jeff bezos and give it directly to our account and that actually helps out a lot. I mean, I make fun of it and say, oh, it's pennies here. But no, shit, we get a lot, like a third of our funding from that thing. It's it's really important. And God bless every one of you that remembers to use Amazon.BallMove.com. Uh, you can also rate and review us on iTunes. You know, this is the first show for uh, American Horror Story on Bald Move. So we could really appreciate if you if you if you do nothing else and you're an iTunes user, go over there, give us some stars, give us some words. It helps us. Get- yeah, do that because uh, I'm not getting any compensation for that. So the the reviews they help me. <laughs> That's right. She begs. She begs for a few of the Amazon pennies, and I'm like, no, these are me and Jim's pennies. And she presses her nose against the glass and looks very sad. Ha 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 ha. Speaking of fan fiction, um, let's talk about feedback, shall we? Jennifer F said, "Hey guys." In line with your expanded Twisty background, she's got some fan fiction of her own. I think Twisty took another clown's scalp and hair because he saw that clown make children laugh and thought having the hair would make him help, uh, make, make, uh, help him make the children laugh. Um, so I don't know if that's just pure headcanon. If this, she's referring to a clown that he observed, 
I don't remember last episode if he actually watched a clown and observed them making a child laugh, and, and maybe that provoked some jealousy or some false association here, or whether we'll be getting some more of Twisty, and this will come true in the future. But if I can write fan fiction, so can you, Jennifer. And <laughs> she said she loves her chemistry, and that is incredibly Aww. sweet of you. Um, I like our chemistry, too. That's why I keep you around. <laughs> Off air, it's a horror show. I mean, it's just, it's just, we can, we can't even look at each other. That's no, terrible. Um, but you know, we pull it together for the podcast. It's, it's one hour, hour and a half a week. It's the least we can do, right? It's literally killing me. <laughs> Nick from Kansas says, I'm new to your AHS pod. I'm a veteran of Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. Please. Oh, so there's someone who cares about your Breaking Bad things. <laughs> there, there's one, one person. <laughs> That was five minutes, of, yeah. five minutes of bullshit were not in vain. Please tell me you are aware of the level of badness here. Forgive my stream of consciousness. Lobster Boys with sex scenes with Desiree that was fucking disturbing. I'm moving on. First, they have established Elsa is a fame-at-all-cost desperate soul, yet when presented with fame on TV, she passes it up like Beth with a green lollipop. Then, moments after arriving... uh pies in hand to let her children hug the hero freaks they turn on elsa and are throwing shit at her 30 seconds into her performance obviously they had to push elsa back into the hollywood guy's arms it just feels like a necessary step how is twisty's trailer still a thing why does dandy bother getting naked and saying the first rule of a killer is to leave no evidence only to presumably head home naked and in a walter white tidy white style covered in blood there's a lazy shot of a lye bottle, just one next to the bathtub. I'm pretty sure lye doesn't react like that. The pink cupcakes, what the hell? If you're going to poison food with a liquid mix, mix it into the batter, making a whole no cupcake, way. and then... Right she And she knows, because she's tried for years to kill me. Steadily... I've been poisoning him for years, and I found out it doesn't work. I thrive on bleach. I thrive on it. It's, it's, it's my genetic modification. Uh, you make... <laughs> You, you don't make the whole cupcake and then inject the poison in the middle. It seems ridiculous. Uh, Precious sounded like she won a contest to be on the show. Uh, the one bright point for him is he says, I still love Vic Mackey. What do you say to Nick from Kansas here, Cecily? Vic Mackey is uh, uh, Mike, uh, Michael Chiklis. He is Dell. Vic Mackey is his, shield, his character from The Shield. Ah, oh, okay. Um, those are all your opinions. <laughs> No, and uh, he's not wrong. The advice I'm going to give you is that if you've watched the first three seasons, then you just got to switch off at some point. You got to give them their creative license to be outlandish, and sometimes things don't make sense. Sometimes there's some plot contrivances, but uh, trust that they'll get there. Yeah. I don't know. I feel wholly unsatisfied, but it's the ride that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's what I'm in it for. And that's the thing. Like, I always judge a show at how successful is it at what it's trying to do. And that's why, like, I'm not saying that this is a better show than Walking Dead, but I do feel like it's more consistently successful at being the type of show that it wants to be. It wants it to be. It embraces schlocky and it knows what it's doing. It wants to be schlocky. It wants to be sensationalist and exploitative. It wants to have a, a, a fairly complex and uh, progressive social agenda. It wants to then completely subvert that and doing things that are just awful and no one with right mind can support. And it wants to be creepy and it wants to have blood and it wants to have some sexy stuff in it. And that's what it does. And 
back what it is. I, I actually, say- I actually noped out of uh, the first season, Murder House, because I was like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. I don't get it. What are you trying to sell me here? This is stupid. I came back around eventually, obviously, but <laughs> obviously, I mean, there's there's an adjustment period for sure. Yeah, and I know it's just rough and it's different for everybody. And I'm not saying you're wrong about a lot of these points. I mean, um, but you got to kind of roll with the punches and and lower your expectations and enjoy the stuff that connects. And I, I, you know, that's the thing. It's like I've I'm uh, even things that are patently ridiculous like this flashback fake out stuff i'm going to give ryan a little bit of rope a little bit of room to maneuver and see if he can surprise me before i just go completely what the fuck is going on with this stuff but we'll see if i actually get there but uh hopefully you'll stick with us because you know if you can disengage your brain sufficiently um maybe you can learn to stop worrying and love the twisty Kelly Big okay. Kelly Big okay. Red says, "I really think the true uh, blood guy's dick is the leg dick shown in the opening credits." I'm sticking with my truth. We've got we we this is a hot this is a hot bone of contention, and that's also Ooh. the name of Russell Edgington's penis. Um, but we, you've got the big dick truthers, which say it's just you know a generically big dick. You got Kelly here <laughs> saying that it's the crooked dick leg truther. And then you've got a third opinion that is the forkers. They're, 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 they're the, they're the forkers. They're, they're forked penis theory guys. So which will, which will be right? Maybe that, maybe in a shocking turn of event, Ryan Murphy's reading, listen to this podcast and he'll go with the all three option. It's a massive leg shaped dick that happens to be forked in two identical legs. Or maybe with a foot at the end of it. That has six. Maybe, that has six toes. I'm done now. What What are you saying? Maybe it's just an average sized penis, and the prostitute that he hired was just a really good actor. <laughs> That's true. He's he is good, a male he prostitute. Paid to make men feel that way. Yeah. You don't get paid the big bucks by going by laughing and pointing and saying you call that a you 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 know you get the whole like. <gasps> You know, every time you see you see the penis, you just always have to <gasps> act vaguely intimidated because that's what gets you the big bucks. Wow, I can't yeah. believe I, that's the first that that this is a new thought to me. You might have cracked the case. Yeah, you're. You, so, what would you call that? A real dick truther? Dove's yep. campaign for real dick beauty. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Amy P says, "Extra large lady parts is a great name for a band or improv troupe." <laughs> <laughs> Um, Joseph P said, I like this episode a lot. Scenes with Dell, uh, the three tits, Kathy Bates, Russell Edgington fantasies, Dandy and his mom, all fantastic. The only problematic character is Jimmy, but he's easily glossed over. Honestly, I don't think he's that good of an actor and he has trouble playing anything but the school shooter from the first season. I kind of agree with his way of thinking. I think you are, you don't, you, you, you think he's fine and, uh, are not having a problem with Lobster Boy. Right. I, th- I think he's better than he has been in previous seasons. He's definitely grown up and is doing things. Okay. Uh, D, our old friend D, says, "Oh my gosh, I need the D. D's got some. I'm gonna call her D in because if I D C sounds ridiculous. If I say D, she's the only one that I don't give a last initial to. So you're D in now. You're Dean. <laughs> you're gonna be Dean uh, here pretty soon." 
She says, oh my gosh, I love this show and it's bonkers awesomeness. When Ethel took Desiree to the doctor, I was so afraid he'd be mean to her because she was black or something, just to counteract how much I loved him for being kind to Ethel last week. Which, fair point, that was a possibility on the table for him to be like, oh, you know, bearded ladies and all that kind of like, oh, you're black, get out of here. Um, but thankfully, he was just as sweet to her. But the second she mentioned him to Dell, I knew he was in trouble. I expected him to be killed, though. So I guess he got off lightly with broken hands and threats to his grandchildren. <laughs> the guy threatened her, his grandkids. Who's going, who's <laughs> going to protect them grandkids? The only thing that jarred me was, Ga- oh, God, Gaborni Sidibi. Gabare Sibide. Gabare Sibide. I feel like I'm Bill Cosby doing the dentist skit. Gabababe, Bithibide. I can't say that. I'm incapable. Say it one more time. Gabare Sibide. Gabare Sidibe. Sibide. Oh, then she must have misspelled it because it's spelled Sidibe. Sibide. Gabare Sibide. Saying, you're making me feel uncomfortable. I just don't realistically see a young woman speaking that way to her mother's employer in 1950-whatever. So she's feeling you on that being a little anachronistic. My God, I'm having a trouble. More than usual. I'm having the troubles. Um, That's it for feedback. We actually have a spoiler section. Um, yeah, I got some things to discuss. But you're going to have to nope out of there if you don't want to hear any spoilers. Otherwise, uh, send in feedback. To it's you not back. really spoilers. It's kind of speculation. Yours aren't, but we actually have Ryan Murphy. He can't help for the spoiling in interviews. So they're, they're minor spoilers or discussion of possibilities and what's going on for future seasons and future episodes. So nope out now if you don't want to hear it. You can still send us feedback to AHS, Alpha Hotel Sierra, at baldmove.com. You can also follow along with our live threads on facebook.com slash baldmove. We'd love to have you there. Until next week, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. We'll see you in the spoiler section. Bye. All right, we're back in the spoiler section. Do you have some speculating before I get in? Do you have some speculating? What can I get into? Uh, I got two emails. They're all about the same thing. One is short and sweet, and one's more detailed. Um, Okay, because I've basically spent the entire last two days soaking up everything I can that the internet had to offer about next season and uh ryan murphy's interview all right well let me let me read these emails and we'll discuss it shall we i want to give credit to both uh justin h said i love your ahs podcast i thought i'd share this ryan murphy confirmed that twisty and edward mordrake are not finished and in all seasons are connected which was a new thought to me he linked the interview on inside tv at entertainmentweekly.com i'm going to link that in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing but then allison w actually read the article and got down and dirty with it she says, hey, Aaron and Cecily, I'm uh, happy you guys are doing an AHS podcast and are doing a great job, too. Well, thank you. Thank you. I came across an interview with Ryan Murphy and Entertainment... Thank you. <laughs> uh, I came across an interview with Ryan Murphy and Entertainment Weekly that has some spoilers for AHS, and I thought you may find it interesting and may want to include this email in a spoiler section, which we did just for you guys. 
Apparently, Twisty and Edward will be back as predicted by Aaron. I was in total agreement with Cecily that we wouldn't see them again, largely because the two-part Halloween episodes every year tend to be amusing and help move the plot, but also tend to be insular and not without much overall consequence. Like the Zom Daughter invasion on Coven, and Frank in Asylum, the Revenge Teen Ghost and Murder House, the plot devices show up for a two-episode arc and they're never seen again. I did not, I wish I'd known that. Because that made a lot more sense about last year's Coven and where that came out of nowhere and the Edward Mordrake thing. But it turns out I was right even though I was underinformed. Says, not so this time. Twisting Edward will have a triumphant return according to Murphy, which I'm pretty psyched about. A couple other interesting things Murphy mentions is that all of AHS seasons are interconnected. And that Lily Rabby, Sister Mary, Eunice... Uh, appearance presumably to collect pepper is just the beginning of them pointing out how the seasons are connected. I read somewhere separately, don't remember where, that a possible link is that Madison Montgomery, Emma Roberts' character from Coven, could be related to the Montgomerys and Murder House, the doctor and his wife that are the home's original owners, which could make a lot of sense since Madison is I from... I remember. I read that article, yeah. Which could make a lot uh. of sense since Madison is from L.A. and that's where season one takes place. Um, I got two more paragraphs. Do you want to do you want to interject here, or should I keep rolling? No, I uh, I read that and it made a lot of sense uh, his, in a historical context. Mm-hmm. But um, I've become so entrenched in these wild fan theories that um, I just don't think they have it in us to sell to sell it that cleverly to say oh well you know remember this well it's this and i think that they're going to do something a lot more outlandish but again i'm usually wrong (laughs) uh she continues allison does lastly the article mentions that dandy is in love with bet and dot what i'm shocked that dandy could love anyone and while he seemed interested enough to try and buy them and own them which parenthetically gross I was not picking up any sort of love vibe there at all, which would seem odd since everyone else is in love. Uh, yeah, and exactly. This love hexagon. It's like, it's like he spoiled his own season. Like maybe, uh, you know, after this episode and the next ones, they'll show that Dandy does fall in love with the twins, but it hasn't happened yet. So I'm interested. So I'm curious why he's saying that. Yeah, like what the hell, Ryan? Keep your mouth shut. We're in a love love hexagon. Um, uh, he has been making some googly eyes, and, and everyone's been making googly eyes at each other every chance they get. Maybe I missed something. That would be really interesting to see how and if that plays out, though. Could Dandy end up saving Bet and Dot from the con artists? This is way longer than I anticipated, so please feel free to edit. I didn't have to because it's not that long, and it's pretty awesome, and it's going to give us lots to discuss. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know because I did not buy that Dandy was in love with them. I thought that he just wanted them as play objects. Uh, yeah, and Ryan Murphy's saying that no. he's in love with them. You're right. Do you, do you think that he considers that a spoiler? Or do you think that we thought that? He, do you think that he thinks that we were just supposed to take away from that scene of him trying to buy them that he was in love with them? I, I honestly don't know. Either he was trying to sell that as love and failed, or it hasn't happened yet. They published his article like a week too early. Ooh, that would be interesting, and he's actually pissed at them. Like, look, yeah, you were supposed to run this next week. He expressed a dandy, that is, expressed interest in the twins uh, for a fleeting moment, and then he seemed to get over it instantly. He became obsessed with Twisty the Clown. Now, if you told me that he was in love with Twisty the Clown, I actually do believe that is true. Huh, interesting. (laughs) 
Interesting. Like a platonic love, a Philadelphia type love, um, an, e- an erotic love. What kind of love are we talking about here? You know what kind of love I'm talking about. It's an admiration. It's a it's a deep seated respect. It's like it's like the juggalos talk about clown love, much clown love. Oh well, I I don't know about that. Do you think that Dandy is the father of the juggalo movement? The twisty twisty is the forerunner, and that 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 uh, the Dandy is actually going to be the the modern progenitor of the juggalo movement? And if so, how much does he have the answer for? Is that the most disturbing thing he's done? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Come on. You're not going to, you're not going to help me write juggalo fan, fan fiction. No, not ever. An American. That I will definitely not read an American juggalo. Oh, I actually think that's the name of a documentary, a pseudo documentary about juggalos, which if true, I will also link to the show notes because if you want to see something horrifying, Watch this 30-minute sh- short film about the Juggalos. It's 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 funny and interesting. It made me want to go do go be go see and witness bear witness to a gathering of the Juggalos at some point. Yeah, which is also scary. I, all right, good luck with that. Uh, I I I po- I'm, could possibly be susceptible to cults. You can't take that off the table. Uh, it's happened you once. Are. It could happen again. <laughs> <laughs> charismatic cult movements like psychotic clowns um you know so that's interesting what if american psych what if american horror show is a vehicle for juggalos in the same way that battlefield earth was was supposed to be was supposed to be a vehicle for scientologists ryan murphy is a closet juggalo this is this is psycho clown propaganda wow I've gone I've gone one fanfic too far. Yeah. And with that, do you have anything else you'd like to 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 talk to the audience about? Yeah, we gotta speculate on next season. Oh, okay. Well then then Okay, so he also talks about the fact in his interview, Ryan Murphy talks about the fact that he dropped hints for season five in the first few episodes. And the one thing that has been shown prominently is a little top hat. There's one on a coffee cup. There's some on uh, different coffee cups in a different room. Mm. There's a scene of Jimmy in the diner. There's a top hat on the menu that he's uh, holding. Um, and people are trying to speculate on what that can mean. Hmm. Um, and there's one theory that it that season five could have to do with aliens oh. because they were featured uh, pretty prominently in season two. What would that? How could that possibly have anything to do with a, a top hat, though? Pepper was abducted by aliens in season two. Huh. Um, I don't know. It's just a theory. I mean, those are things that sort of uh, come together. Well, here's the thing is that uh, one year after Freak Show takes place in uh, real life, there was something called Operation Top Hat where the government did some experimentation. I don't know. It was like with like chemical weapons. And uh, they didn't tell anybody, and they didn't have it approved. Oh, shit. Yeah, so they think that maybe this could tie into maybe like a uh, like an Area 51 type of thing. Because there was a bunch of chemical weapons that were, ta- that were tested, and there wasn't any proper decontamination uh, procedures. Interesting. I think, that maybe, I think maybe that's what the movie uh, The Hills Have Eyes was huh. based on. 
with the Operation Top Hat, it just produced a lot of uh, freakish transformations, right? Yeah. So I looked up, I, looked up of... the, I just looked up the Roswell, New Mexico a UFO crash, which supposedly took place in the summer of 1947. I was like, as if I was, my eyes were going to shoot out of my head if it took place in 1953, because like, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, oh my god, you're so right. But now I don't know. Well, the Operation Top Hat took place. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but as like, I was trying to, 1953. I was trying to connect that with the alien thing, which I'm, I'm actually would be all in for an alien themed uh american horror that would be pretty cool because i like my sci-fi and my and i like my horror and mix them together be cool yeah and there's also the fact that uh edward mordrick wears the top hat maybe that's just coincidence uh what's his name papa ledoux from coven yeah yeah he did oh those are just what do you think if something what if it could because top hats are also frequently associated with magicians who also are kind of arcane and spooky. Do you think there's a, I, although Coven was already kind of magic, exactly. right? Well, that was my first thought when I saw the hat. I was like, Oh yeah, magic for sure. They uh, just did that. Yeah. A I'm different... not sure how, I mean, but again, he said that all the seasons were connected somehow. So let's say that murder house was the most present day. And then you've got, uh, yeah. going backwards or you have asylum, I think. Yeah, well, then, the Coven was modern day, too. Oh, I'm sorry. Coven would be the most modern day, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Murder House, and mm-hmm. then Asylum, and then Freak Show. Okay. And Pepper and the uh, nurse, Lily Rabe's character, they are both playing the same character they played in uh, Asylum. Hmm. So, interesting. kind of interesting. I'm trying but to, what some else? of the other characters would have to overlap, like uh, Thaisa Farmiga. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, that, that would be the problem of jumping forward just a year is that a lot of the cast, if they continue doing the anthology format, would have to rotate over because there's no way you could plausibly say they're connected if they're only a year apart. I mean, they'd have to literally be the same people. Yeah. Yeah, they would. Hmm. So, Which, I mean, they, they could be playing ancestors of themselves, but. Yeah, that's a little tougher of a sell, though. Yeah, you know the other thing that like I associate top hats is like Victorian times. Like you could do something around, uh, and also uh, come to think of it, uh, this was mentioned in this episode, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, but that's in a completely different country. Oh, and it's always it's not. Yeah, you're right. It's American horror story. <laughs> God damn it! You can be Jack the Ripper in American horror. American story. Ripper. American Ripper in London. Oh, now now we're back in we're, we're back in London again. Um, okay, so that's probably there was not also it. yeah there was also kind of a theory about um, uh, Dandy being Bloody Face, who was a serial killer in uh, season two. Is he the same character? Does he just physically resemble him, or is it just the blood literally the blood soaked torso that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just I'm just telling you things that I read cliff notes of some things that people put forward if anyone else has any theories i'd I'd love to hear them no seriously we we found on what we've got here yeah if you've read some other things or if you got some other top hat associations we would love to hear it and we'll keep doing a spoiler section for as long as we got material for it any other speculating you care to do no all right well this is the part of the podcast where we tell everybody good good night good luck and the fuck off and a fond adieu and we will be back next week for another episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Bye-bye.